good morning, everyone. Good to see you all again. Thank you, Nigel and Jeff, for the welcome. It's always great to be with you and to uh, share from the uh, scriptures. And uh, of course, as always, we have known the Lord's presence as we have been remembering him in his own appointed way. So it's great to be here. And we're excited because we're turning to God's word. And it is a, a, a living word. And uh, although the events happened a long time ago. God has always something to say through his word because the things that were written in the past were written for our help and instruction and learning. So we're turning today to a great story that you've heard before and I will read a few verses from uh, Daniel chapter 6. One of the stories in the Bible that everybody knows, I think. Daniel chapter 6. This is the story of how Daniel was thrown into uh, the lion's den. And I hope you, you will read the whole chapter when you go home and get the gist of the story. But right now we will read a few introductory verses and then we'll get into the story. Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. It pleased Darius the king to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came, came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the councillors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Amen. The Lord will graciously bless his truth to our hearts as we look at it uh, together. Uh, there are many... Um, paintings that you will have seen about Daniel. There are many books of children's stories with Daniel and most of the ones I've seen are wrong. Uh, there's a number of things wrong with them but the first one is that they nearly always show Daniel as a young man. 
or middle-aged. He wasn't. He was about 80. Maybe a bit more than that, but at least he had to be at least 80. But uh, last week, uh, we looked at another well-known character who didn't live up to his name. His name was Absalom. We saw last week, Absalom, David's son, had been called Ab-Shalom, Ab, you know, Abba, Father, Shalom, Peace. He had been called Father of Peace, and he wasn't a Father of Peace. He was a, he, he was a bad rascal. He, he, he was treacherous, he was evil, he was wicked, he was proud. He was one of them, but his name meant Father of Peace. He didn't live up to that name. But uh, Daniel is different. His name has three elements in it. Dan means judge. The E bit means mine. And the L bit means God. So literally, God is my judge. And that is how this man lived. He lived up to that name that he didn't worry about what other people thought of him or what they would do to him. He left it all to God. And that is the main uh, way that he lived up to the name Daniel. God is my judge. That's a good name, you know. I'm sure there might be somebody here called Daniel. I don't know. But uh, uh, Daniel reminds us through that name that most of us, me included, worry far too much about what other people think about us. Well, the amount of bother we could avoid if we weren't looking over our shoulder to think what so-and-so has been saying about us or what they think about us or how somebody else is getting on better than we are. Being bothered about other people is something that's very common. Uh, it happened to me. I remember as a young person uh, in work study, I remember yet where I was standing the day that God said to me, look, you're spending too much time worrying about what that other guy is doing. He's getting on better than you. He's getting promoted better than you. His results when he times people. Why not concentrate on yourself? And God gave me a verse. And it was when Peter said to Jesus, pointing to one of the other disciples, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, mind your own business. Get on with your own life. And you know, sometimes we need to mind our own business and just get on with our own lives. And Daniel was like that. There was things happening all around him. But he was allowing God to be the judge of what he did. He sought to put God as the number one person whom he wanted to please. He was living in difficult times. Nebuchadnezzar had taken, the, had destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And, and even many years before that, he had taken prisoners, including Daniel, and carried them to Babylon. Now Nebuchadnezzar was gone. Babylonian kingdom had fallen to the Persians. And in times like that, most of the administrators of the old kingdom would, um, you know, disappear 
fall off a balcony or some or be executed or something but Daniel somehow attracted the attention of the new Persians this man who lived to please God not man somehow they noticed that he had ability but more than ability he had integrity and it's hard sometimes to get people with integrity he could be trusted and the king the new king Darius needed somebody that he could trust so they were difficult times envy and corruption all around but this man stood out like a light and you know that's what God needs in the world today because in a dark world he has sent us to be lights not to fall into the traps of the uh, uh, of the way other people run business i remember when i uh, got a, a my first job in a factory in a work study office the manager said i've i i believe you're good living he says that's that's all right but anyway i always tell a story to my staff so i'll tell it to you anyway even though you might not do anything about it but he says the story is there was a man who was uh, a liar, a thief, and all the rest of it. He says he was so bad that his wife said to him, I don't think you know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Oh, I do, I do he says. You're wrong if you get caught. Now, why did they tell me that story? Well, it was, do things whatever way you like. You know, be as devious as you want. Just don't get caught. And uh, that's how the people... In the world sometimes live but we're sent to be lights not to be like that and Daniel was a light in dark days when there was envy and corruption isn't it great Jesus didn't just save us to take us to heaven he saved us to be lights in the world where we are now to make a difference to show that our way of doing things is Jesus way and it's not through corruption so then, this crowd, we read that they came by agreement in verse 6 to the king. They decided this man, is, is not, we can't bribe him, we can't corrupt him, we can't find any fault in him. He's going to make our life a misery. He's going to find out, he, he's going to see the, the, the corruption that is in this place. So let's get rid of him. But they couldn't find any fault that they could pin on him so they said let's get him in the basis of his religion and it says in verse 6 they came by agreement it also says that if you look down in verse 11 they came by agreement and in verse 15 they came by agreement and when the bible repeats things it's because they're important so three times they came by agreement now there are different ways of coming by agreement you came by agreement here today to the service at 11 o'clock, didn't you? Yeah, that's one way of coming by agreement. There was one night, Audrey and I were coming home from, uh, I think it was a concert in the Ulster Hall, as far as I know, and we were parked our way up on the other side of the old, of the old telegraph building at Kent Street. And as we were uh, going to get the car, boy, we could see this crowd coming with their phones out and, and, and a real rush. And... Uh, 
it turned out that somebody had got word on their phones that there was a rave somewhere. And they were all running by agreement to the rave. So there's different ways of running by agreement. And the word here, the, the Aramaic word here, is more like guys running to a rave than running to a prayer meeting. It was the, uh, the, uh, one of the, uh, the, the Hebrew study Bible I have says that you should translate it, they thronged together maliciously. So this was a, uh, and, and it was a lie too. They said everybody agrees. Well, everybody except Daniel. One faithful man who sought just through his life and showed evidence of blessing in the darkness, a great witness to God. And they uh, persuaded the king. How could the king have been so stupid? Well, he'd got a big empire. You know, the, the Persians had a lot of problems holding the empire together. They were the ones that created a very effective kind of early version of the Pony Express. They, you know, they, they had a mass of thousands of miles to control. So when the king was told, let's let everybody know who you are, your majesty. You're the boss. You're the only god they can pray to for 30 days. Hey, it sounded right a good idea. No, but that would, that would certainly put him on the map. The sort of thing that he needed to promote his personality. And so it meant for Daniel, if you pray, you will die. He knew that. He could have prayed secretly, of course, but uh, I wonder how many of us would pray if we knew that as soon as we did it, we would die. That's not the reason people pray. Usually I was reading a book uh, some time ago about uh, Sandy Gall. Don't worry about the money now. A story about a journalist who uh, you might remember used to read the 10 o'clock news on the BBC, I think. Or it might have been the other one. But anyway, Sandy Gall had no, in his book, there's nothing, there's not a single thing that's spiritual in the book. Not a single thing. Until he is caught in, um, in Idi Amin's um, Uganda. And he's taken prisoner to a death hut. Little hut where in the darkness other people were all gathered around trembling, shaking. And some of them were taken out and bludgeoned to death. And as he was sitting there, hour after hour, he prayed. And somehow he got, the, he got out of that situation. Is there any mention of, thank you Lord for answering my prayer? No. It was just an, a total emergency prayer when nothing else could do. Oh, if God, if you're there, help me. That was not a Daniel sort of prayer. His prayer was, a, was, was his habit. It was his life. It was the way he lived. So he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Something he did every day, not just when he was in trouble. I told you before the, 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 that just after COVID, I'd gone to a new barber. Do you remember the story? The barber said, who are you? And I said, oh, I, uh, I'm James and I, 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 I teach the Bible to people you know. Oh, you're a religious man then, he says. I, I, I'm religious myself. 
uh, when I have to be. He says, sometimes. Uh, I said, like when? Like when I'm in trouble. And there's a lot of people around who like to think of God when they're in trouble, a cry for help. But Daniel was not like that. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. It was something that he did all the time. His prayer was planned three times a day. Uh, there's nothing to say that's how you should plan your prayer time, but it was how Daniel did it. It was planned. If you don't plan something, it probably won't happen. You plan your holidays, don't you? You plan what you're having for dinner. It's no wonder it has. Uh, you, you plan. You plan what you're doing. You, and, and yet prayer is the most powerful thing. To believe that the God who controls the world listens to me. Listens to you. And answers our prayer. Boy, that's powerful. That's something we should plan for. It was a planned prayer. We should, we should plan a time that we feel we can get alone with God or with others. It was a biblical prayer because they were in trouble and he believed the, 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 the Lord had told them in the book of Chronicles in chapter 7, 14 that after the people of Israel had sinned against God if they turned back to God he would hear their prayers. So verse 14 of chapter 7 of Second Chronicles says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What wonderful promise and Daniel believed it. So he was a man who was biblical. He knew that Israel was in the mess it was in. He knew the temple had been destroyed. He knew Jerusalem had been destroyed. Precisely because the people had not obeyed the word of God. And he believed that through prayer. The Bible said God would restore the land. God would fulfill his sovereign will. And he prayed in a focused way, towards Jerusalem. Focused. Uh, th that's my problem when I'm praying. Be focused. You know, you close your eyes to pray, you open them again, you see the dust in the Venetian blinds, or something, or something else comes into your head. Focused. But that was uh, a good lesson. He focused towards Jerusalem. He, he, he thought of nothing else while he was praying. Focused to the place where... God had chosen for his name to be there, the place now destroyed. It was a focused uh, prayer. He never forgot where he was from. How, how, how do we focus? Well, um, Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our focus when we pray. Think of how he prayed. Think of how that he's actually in the room with us and when you really focus on the fact that he is there it should stop our minds from wandering most of the time till the phone just switch off the phone you know our world is just full of distractions that you used to never have so turn off the phone um, and and focus on jesus when we pray well now 
All that was happening while he knew there was trouble ahead. And you know, there's something else wrong with the paintings that I've seen of Daniel. There's another thing that's wrong. It's not a very realistic picture you get of the lion's den. These were not big pussycats. Well, I suppose they were, but they were dangerous pussycats. They, I saw a painting where, where Daniel was sleeping and his pillow was one of the lions. And the whole thing was bathed in some sort of spiritual light. Nah. Nah, they, they, these were fierce, untamed beasts. And they were starving. And, there was, and, and they didn't have, you know, there was no torch provided. Lions don't read at bedtime, so they didn't need it. It was dark, it was damp, it was smelly, and it was scary. Paintings don't always get that. The reality, they're played down the reality as if Daniel was hugging these big lions. He was probably sitting trembling in a corner somewhere. The reality of the lion's den. And he never had any promise. I'll save you from the lions. He did not have that promise. But the peace, you know, and there's no guarantee. There are other people who were thrown to the lions and they weren't so kind. So there's no guarantee given to Daniel. The peace of God comes to us not through guarantee, but when we realize that whatever situation we're in, God's in control. No guarantee that the lions wouldn't bite. No. But there was a guarantee that God would be with him through the darkness of that terrible night that he was there. That night, even the king could do nothing. The king was not wanting to kill Daniel. He, was, he, he said, I've been so stupid. How could I have been so stupid to end up like this? And he did all that he could. He was the most powerful man in the world. But he couldn't save Daniel. He was the most powerful man in the world of that day. But he couldn't save Daniel. And you know, it's the same with us. Even the most powerful people in the world, they can't do anything. So he just prayed, may your God whom you serve continually be with you. And out of apparent defeat, as Daniel was thrown into the den of lions, nobody ever believed he would come out again. And yet, God gave him peace just to go. Whatever God would do would be the right thing. That's what the peace of God... The, the peace of God is not everything going right. Sometimes it does. And, and if it does, we, we give thanks for it. I remember once my first outing, uh, my first uh, deputation and ministry tour to the south of Ireland. You know, no mobile phones then, no GPSs. I was lost. I was troubled. I, it was very difficult. And my car broke down. <coughs> Not something a, a, a weak garage could fix. It was serious. It needed to go. It was a cylinder head thing. It had to go to. A, it would have to go to a factory. And the car broke down outside a man's house. And he came out. And he said, "Oh boy, your cylinder head's gone." I said, "What am I going to do?" He says, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I work in the local factory, and I, I, I skim these every day." 
Well, I praised the Lord for that, but it never happened again. Next time a car broke down, I know it was, uh, it was an hour before the AA came. But you know, for that occasion, I just thanked the Lord that uh, the time that I was, uh, that He confirmed that I, that was the job I was to be doing. So you, you thank, you don't expect it every time, of course not, but that miraculous thing happened so that God would be glorified because the king said, yeah, I know. The next morning when the king went and Daniel was alive, he says, you worship the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed and his dominions never end. It all led to the praise and worship of the living God for the declaration, God is great. He's powerful. He's the living God. And for the king, the Persian king to say that was a powerful witness. So as we bring this wee story to a close, it all points us to Jesus. Remember, Daniel had no chance of offering sacrifices. There was no temple. There were no sacrifices for him in Babylon. So how could he have that close relationship with God? Well, he, like all the Old Testament people, was looking to Jesus. The, the, the Old Testament sacrifices were just a symbol pointing you to the essential sacrifice of all time, the center of history, the death on the cross. We look back to that. Daniel looked forward to it. And remember the similarities between him and Jesus. Both valued prayer greatly. Both were watched carefully to see if they could find any fault. Both prayed towards Jerusalem. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like, like a, a, a mother hen would gather her brood and you would not come. So they both prayed towards Jerusalem. Both were betrayed. And both were sentenced to death. And uh, when, when Daniel was thrown down in the pit where the lions were, a big stone was rolled over. So both had their graves sealed with a stone and both were raised from the place of death and both had early morning visitors so there's a lot of similarities there the, all the Old Testament stories point you forward to Jesus the one who paid for our sins and rose from the dead so if you came here this morning feeling disheartened and it's possible sometimes that happens. We feel disheartened. If you feel everybody's against you and there's nothing to look forward to, take courage because Daniel's God is still alive. He rose again from the dead and he's with you. And if you don't know him as your saviour, you know, this is the day. This is the turning point for you. This is the opportunity that God gives you to put your faith in the living God who's alive forevermore. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.